take our seats. We're turning together in God's Word for our Scripture reading. And we're turning to 2 Corinthians and the chapter 5. 2 Corinthians and the chapter 5. Moving down this chapter together, we're going to commence our reading at the 11th verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the verse 11, and let us hear the word of the Lord. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. We end there at verse 21. And may the Lord add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. We're going to turn together in God's word to the portion of scripture we have read together. And that's 2 Corinthians the chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and we have read the second half of this chapter, and I would draw your attention to uh, the last portion of the chapter. In verse 20, we read, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, 
Be ye reconciled to God. And particularly to those last words in the verse. Be ye reconciled to God. And that's what I want us to think about together in God's house this morning. Reconciled to God. Let's unite in prayer and we ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word. Our heavenly Father and our gracious God, we do thank thee that we can come together with thy word before us. And we're conscious, O God, as we open up the scriptures of truth, that we need the Holy Spirit of God himself to come and to reveal the truth of scripture to our hearts. And we pray, O God, for that needed enlightenment today. And we ask our Father that help would be given as we seek to minister thy word and that each one our Father would hear with that spiritual prophet, that blessing, that prophet to our souls today. Father, hear our prayer and abide with us now and close us into thy presence. We ask these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, since our beloved Queen Elizabeth II has passed away, we have no doubt listened to the vast coverage of this period of national mourning. And every detail has been arranged with precision, and it has certainly been very impressive to witness. King Charles has had his accession to the throne. And that involved him being proclaimed as king throughout the realm. And then, of course, he was to visit uh, the four countries that make up the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. It was on Tuesday past the 13th of September that he visited Northern Ireland and indeed, he was welcomed here in Royal Hillsborough. And as his visit was covered in the media, there were many references to the previous visits of Her Majesty the Queen. Those times whenever she came to our shores and she visited our province. Now, as we watch the footage and we have seen the pictures and we have listened to the coverage, there was a word that was used repeatedly. And it's a word that is a very scriptural word. It's that word reconciliation. That's a word that we have read here in the portion of scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm sure you would have noticed that word being emphasized over and over again throughout the past week, reconciliation. They speak about the process of reconciliation and the work of reconciliation. It's been on the lips of the ecumenical clergy. They feel it's a word that has been misapplied, and when the word is misapplied, it leads to a misunderstanding. And so it is important, therefore, that we understand this word and this term from a biblical perspective. 
And whenever you have been following in our Bible reading, you would have noticed the word here being repeated in its various forms. And it appears no fewer than five times from verse 18 through to the verse 20. You notice it twice there in verse 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. The word is twice in verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. And then once there in verse 20, it makes up those five occasions. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so the Apostle Paul is using this term as he writes to the Corinthians. He's speaking to them about reconciliation. And I want us to think about that term. As we think about it, notice firstly the meaning of reconciliation. It does, of course, have a general meaning. meaning. And the general meaning is to bring back into harmony two parties that have been alienated. It means to be brought back together. It's speaking about a renewed friendship when you just look at the general meaning of the word. And in that sense, it can be used on the human level. You can speak about man being reconciled with man. However, when it comes to the word of God, and when the Bible speaks to us about reconciliation, it is not primarily man being reconciled with man. But the Bible speaks on reconciliation as man being reconciled with God. And that is the principle and the primary meaning of that term, reconciliation. And man will never be truly reconciled with his fellow man until man is truly reconciled with God first. Man's greatest need is to be reconciled with God. Back in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning, man enjoyed fellowship with God. God created man in his own image and man enjoyed that fellowship with his creator. But you know that in Genesis chapter 3, sin entered into the world. And whenever sin entered into the world, man fell into that estate of sin and misery and man lost that fellowship with God. And those who are born of Adam's line are born in sin and shapen in iniquity and sin has separated us from God. For by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And between man and God there is that unbridgeable gap, humanly speaking. 
a gap that man cannot make up on his own terms and man cannot make up that gap in his own efforts. Man would remain forever in that estate of sin and misery if God himself had not moved and God moved to devise a way God moved with his great plan for redemption, that plan whereby man could be reconciled to God, man could be brought back to God, and it is the work of God, it's not the work of man. If you were following in our Bible reading, you would learn that reconciliation is only accomplished through Christ's great work of redemption. When you look here into 2 Corinthians and the chapter 5, you can see in verse 19, it tells us to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ. There's the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed of God, who came into this world, and he came into this world to go to Calvary. And God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Specifically, it's the work of Christ upon the cross. It's the suffering of Christ. It's the death of Christ. And for us to be reconciled to God, it took the death of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ lived an exemplary life. We know that he was without sin. The verse 21 of this chapter tells us of the Savior that he knew no sin and he lived that perfect life. But the perfect life of the Lord Jesus Christ in itself is not sufficient to reconcile man with God. You think of the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ and My, when he taught and when he preached, it was with power and it was with purity. And you think of the words that came from the Lord himself, but the teaching of Christ is not sufficient to reconcile man to God. It took the death. It took the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Romans chapter 5, The apostle also mentions reconciliation when he's speaking to the Romans. And he says in Romans 5 and 10, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son. He makes it very clear in those words. We're reconciled to God by the death of his Son. And it took nothing short and nothing less than the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for man to be reconciled to God. If God could have reconciled man to himself any other way, he could have spared his son. But God spared not his own son. But he delivered him up for us all. In Colossians chapter 1 and In our midweek prayer meeting, we've been looking into Colossians. In Colossians 1 and the verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, 
And when the Lord Jesus died upon the cross and he shed his blood, it was to make reconciliation. And therefore, when we look into the scriptures and we see what the Bible has to say concerning reconciliation, we see it's the work of the Lord. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. There are two things that take place in reconciliation. And the first thing there, accomplished through the death and the suffering of the Savior, the first thing is the turning away of God's wrath. Mankind has sinned, broken God's law, violated God's commandments, and therefore we're cut off, we're separated, we're alienated from God. But God who in Christ moved to reconcile man to himself, there had to be a satisfying of justice. There had to be a turning away of the wrath of God. That could only be satisfied through the substitutionary sacrificial death of God's dear son. And through his death and his redemptive work, the wrath of God is turned away. That's the first thing that must happen in reconciliation. God's wrath must be turned away. And then the second thing is the sinner comes in repentance and faith. And the sinner is able to come. He's invited to come. And he can close in with God's offer of mercy. And when those two things take place, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ to turn away the wrath of God and the sinner on that basis coming, repenting of their sin, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. The result is that man is reconciled to God through the death of God's dear son. The result is salvation. The result is the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Man being reconciled to God because sin has been dealt with. In Micah 7 and the verse 19, it speaks about our sins being cast into the depths of the sea. Oh, they're out of sight. In Isaiah 38 and the verse 17, it speaks about those sins being cast behind God's back. They're out of sight. And whenever our sins have been forgiven and cleansed in the Savior's precious blood, it is then and only then that we're reconciled to God. The meaning of reconciliation. But then notice from our passage as well, there's the ministry of reconciliation. And you look at verse 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. And so those who are reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, they have the privilege of being given the ministry of reconciliation. My, what a privilege it is to be reconciled to God. What an honor it is to be entrusted with this ministry, to be given this responsibility to carry the message of the gospel. 
the ministry of reconciliation. There's the service of the child of God. They're to advance the gospel. They're to bring that wonderful message. It's the message of the Bible. It's not the ecumenical message of today. Not the ecumenical message where they would refer to reconciliation as different religions and different faiths coming together. They would even take truth and and mingle it with falsehood. And they produce through that another gospel which is not another. It's not the biblical message of the gospel. It's not the ministry of reconciliation. It's another gospel. But God, to those who are genuinely saved and reconciled to himself, he entrusts us with this responsibility to go out into all the world, to preach the gospel to every creature, to share the message. It's the ministry of reconciliation. You can notice there from the end of verse 19, it's called the word of reconciliation. And so that ministry of reconciliation, it involves the word, and it is the word of God. It is proclaiming the word of God. It is presenting the message of the gospel. That's where we took up our reading at the verse 11 in this chapter. And Paul said, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. And there's that ministry of reconciliation. There's the word of reconciliation. We're coming with the message of the gospel and we're wanting to witness to those around us in order to persuade them. We're we're reasoning with them from out of God's word. They have a soul that is cut off, a soul that is alienated, a soul that is separated from God, and a soul that needs to be saved, a soul that needs to be reconciled to God. And the Apostle Paul was speaking there about his labors and seeking to forward the message of the gospel and to persuade men. In verse 14 he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ. Knowing what the Lord has done for us. Knowing what the Lord has suffered there in his own body upon the tree. Knowing that he did it in love for our souls. That he has saved our souls. He has forgiven our sins. We are reconciled to God. Knowing the love of Christ, it constrains us. To reach out to others. Persuading. Persuading men. The love of Christ constraining us to do it. Do you look there in the verse 20? He uses the term ambassadors. He says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. And you can... Be familiar with the term ambassador. It was a familiar term and office in the days of Paul. And the Romans there would have had their own ambassadors to uh, carry out their message and to carry out their orders uh, right throughout the empire. And those Roman ambassadors would have gone forth. Those who were given that role would have counted it an honor. 
those who would go forth as an ambassador, even for the Roman Empire. They would have all of the authority of Caesar behind them. They would have all of the might of the Roman Empire behind them. And we're familiar with that term and with that office even in our own days in which we live. The role of ambassadors. And every country has its ambassadors and has its envoys and so forth. There are ambassadors to the Middle East just by way of example. Those who will represent their country. Those who may even go to a foreign field to be an ambassador. You see why Paul took up this term and when he's speaking here of God's people in the spiritual realm, we're ambassadors. And we're ambassadors for Christ. And what a privilege and what an honor it is to be entrusted with that particular role. And to have all of the authority of the Lord and of his word and of heaven's might behind us. And to go forth and to persuade men and to reach out to others with the love of Christ. And to tell them they have a soul to be saved and they need to be reconciled to God. That's the ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. And thank God for those faithful servants of the Lord who seek to labor for him in all of those various capacities. All of those different areas of service, but all coming together with one accord, with one heart, and with one mind. And we're ambassadors together for Christ, for our Lord and Savior. The ministry of reconciliation. But then, the message of reconciliation. That's really what we drew to your attention by way of a text just to uh, give us the lead into the passage, the end of verse 20. Be ye reconciled to God. There you have the message in a nutshell. Be ye reconciled to God. And that really personalizes the message here. That really brings it home to the individual There's a call here from the word of God and it's calling out by way of challenge and it's saying, be ye reconciled to God. That's a message today of mercy, not a message of wrath. It's a message of love. It's a message of invitation. It's the invitation that's reaching out today to the unconverted says, be ye reconciled to God. You see, if you're not saved, you remain at enmity to the Lord. You remain still in your sin, and your greatest need today is to be saved and to be reconciled, and to know your sins forgiven, and to be reconciled with God is to be at peace with God. To know that the enmity has been removed, To know that your sin has been dealt with. To know that God's wrath has been turned away. Whenever the soul is reconciled to God, there's not only peace with God, but there's the peace of God. Because you know that it is well with your soul that your sins have been dealt with, that you're heaven bound, and that gives you a peace within your heart. That's the result of reconciliation. 
those who were saved and reconciled to the Lord. The Apostle Paul speaks in Romans about that peace and how we're to live with those around us. And he says, as far as lieth within you, live peaceably with all men. That's what we would seek to do. As Christians, as brothers and sisters in the Lord, and reaching out to a fallen world, we would want as far as lies within us to live peaceably with all men. But that comes as a result of our reconciliation with God. Therefore, we look at reconciliation in the biblical perspective. I want you to hear that message today. And if you're not saved, it is my prayerful desire that you would be. And that you would be reconciled to God. And that you would hear today the ministry and the message of true reconciliation. You notice how the apostle puts it in the latter part of verse 20. He said, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And there he was with that ministry of reconciliation. And he said, we pray you in Christ's stead. We're here as ambassadors for Christ. And we're coming with the message, be ye reconciled to God. The Lord uses his servants. The Lord uses his ambassadors to speak to the hearts of sinners. Maybe today if you thought about the Lord speaking when he did on Sinai. And the Lord thundered out the law from uh, Mount Sinai. Oh, would you have listened in that day? Listen to the Lord. You listen to the Lord when he was on this earth in person. He said to those around him, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Would you have listened to the Savior's voice? Well, we say today the Savior still speaks. And we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. God speaks through his servants. Though if you hear his voice today, your heart is challenged. You're under conviction of sin. You're troubled about your eternal well-being, heaven or hell. Hear the voice of the Lord to your heart today. Be reconciled to God. In many conversations since the Queen has passed away, some have asked me the question, do you think the Queen was truly saved? you think the queen's in heaven? I would answer that today by saying, you just make sure you're saved and you make sure you're in heaven. You hear this word today, be ye reconciled to God. May the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts. We're going